0: Let's move right into the scriptures and finish the series, The Move of God. If you remember about four weeks ago, we started this series and we began by talking about how it's important for us to understand what it looks like when God really begins to move. Give you an example, what you saw this morning with Jen leading the team and the worship, those are inklings of what it looks like when God begins to move higher levels to that of course but people just they begin to break in God's presence and all of the cares of life there's somehow thrown out the window and we begin to bend the knees and the tongues begin to move and we begin to understand that there is really no other purpose for our existence but to worship God. We begin to understand our design what we were designed for and why. We gathered this morning in the house of God, why we came together and all of our problems, they begin to dissipate in the glory of God. We don't feel as heavy as we may have felt before we started to worship. That's an indication that we're heading in the right, the right direction. And we're careful. I'm very careful as to what we do next when God begins to show himself I think we should be very keen and very careful listening carefully what next god we we should always plan but the greatest plan is to plan for god to move and whatever we have planned when he begins to move it becomes subject to his his moving and so i I began to show you that one of the things in the very first part that characterizes a move of god is that the services the worship experience it's compelling it's not boring. It's not a cemetery. It's not. No one's being buried today, but everyone is coming back to life. So that's an indication when you're involved in a worship, even in your own life, when you worship God, it should be compelling. It should be driving you to something even greater. And what will come out of that will be signs and miracles and wonders for which we pray. Because miracles are for what, are what we cannot do that only God can do. But I didn't do this in that first part. I wanted to tell you that a move of God is also very balanced. Because God is a balanced God. Justice is found where there's balance. Balance means that God is just as concerned about supernatural things as he is about natural things. That's what balance means. It means that God is supernatural, but he's concerned about your natural affairs. And though he sits high, he does what? He looks very low. And though he's omnipotent, he numbers the hairs on our head. He's very concerned. He's concerned with your intellect as much as he's concerned with your spirit. So as a believer, you should be concerned not just with your spirit, but with your intellect, your, your your mind, the state of your heart, the decisions you make, because it's all part of a whole. You don't want to be in balance where you're all spirit, spirit, spirit. Because we're not all spirit. We're spirits in bodies. God became flesh. Spirit becomes flesh. And so we should be concerned about those things. I mean, I'm concerned about my level of education because... That matters to God. I'm concerned about my prayer life because that matters to God. I'm concerned about the natural things of this world as much as I am about the supernatural things. In other words, the things that I can see concern me and the things that I cannot see also concern me. There's a passage that I want you to read on your own time. It's in Matthew 17. Jesus demonstrates balance. Peter comes running to Jesus and he says, Master, should we pay taxes? Something natural and Jesus without answering him. Jesus simply says to him, I want you to go down to the lake. I want you to catch a fish and the first one that comes open its mouth. Inside you're going to find a coin. Take that. Well, two coins. Take that. Pay your taxes and pay mine too. And what you see in that moment is God's concern with supernatural things and his concern with natural things. Because a move of God is balanced. The more you are striving to be balanced, you're heading toward a move of God. If you discard certain things in your life, say, I'm only going to focus on prayer, and I'm going to focus on these other things, you're moving towards imbalance, and you're not heading toward a move of God. It's compelling, but it's also balanced. On Easter Sunday, I told you that if you want to prepare for a move of God, you have to make a decision that when it comes to God, you're going to give Him 100%. And you have to allow it to transcend how you feel. Because you will not feel every day like giving him 100%. Then you find scriptures like Psalm 34 verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because I promise I give him my whole self. I want to be to God what the Hebrews call an olah, A whole burnt offering. I want to present my body a living sacrifice. How often? Daily. And thus I might prove what is God's perfect, good, and acceptable will. So we've decided in this ministry that we're going to give him everything on good days and bad days. When we stumble, we're going to get up and give him everything. Can you shout him into that? Make a mistake on Wednesday, Wednesday evening, give him everything. All right what what we're saying to God is as much as we would give to other things we're gonna give you more because you deserve more and then last week I think I told you that it's important for us to understand that a move of God cannot start until we admit that this thing that we're in is about God and God first a move of God is not about me It's not about god meeting my needs it's not about god blessing me not first a move of god is about god he gets the glory his will is done his purposes are realized in my life and then if i get that right he then begins to shower me with all my heart's desires it's all about him that's a good place to say amen because i want to die daily I want to be crucified with him. You know what, you know what Paul says? He said in, in a church that's giving him a lot of difficulties, it's the Corinthians. He says, I don't want to know anything among you save Jesus and him crucified. Where is that found? I think it's in Corinthians, the most problematic church. I just don't want to hear anything else because it's really all about him. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that it's all about our troubles And blowing it all up so God can see all the troubles. But God says, no, your trouble should dissipate in the face of who I am. Greater is He that's in me. Today, what I want to do is I want to just finish this series. I want to talk to you. It's it's the fourth part, but here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the role this ministry plays in getting ready for a move of God. I think I may have spoken about this before, but I really want, because I've come to, and I guess the more you walk with God, the greater, or can I say, the more clarity you get. And even as, as leaders in your own right, you should be honest. Let's say you're starting a business, an organization. You should be honest to say that in the beginning, you knew the vision, but it wasn't really that clear. But as you walk with God, it became more crystallized. A lot of times when we were shouting about the vision, we were excited about it, but we didn't truly understand it in terms of its full extent. And over time, God crystallizes vision. It allows us to see it clearly. I want to show you what role we play using Psalm 89. Psalm 89 is a beautiful psalm because it's really about God finding David. But the bigger principle is that when God gets ready, He looks for a man, looks for a group, looks for an organization. He says, I found someone. And he says, I'm going to do certain things to that group, that person, that organization. I'm going to fight their enemies. I'm going to beat down their foes. I'm going to hold their hand, put their hand in the sea. I'm going to anoint them. In other words, I'm going to be the one that sustains them. This is what God does. When God calls you to do something, he also preserves you. He has to. Because when he calls you to do something, all of a sudden, all of hell wakes up and comes at you and you start thinking, am I selling drugs? You start thinking, am I, am I, am I a John selling prostitutes? Why is all of hell woken up against me? It's because God has called you. But then God says, I found my servant, David, you can put yourself in this text. He says with my notice, holy oil, I'm going to anoint him or her or them with whom my hand shall be established. That's something to understand. I'm going to use this group, this person, this organization to establish my hand. And the hand of God doeth valiantly. It was the hand of God that brought Israel out of Egypt. He says, mine arm shall also strengthen strengthen him. Just in case you're feeling weak and you will feel weak along the journey. So let's talk about Ramah. Some 20 21 years ago when god called us he called us to prepare people for a move let me share a testimony with you because i think sometimes we 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 misinterpret what god is doing when the ministry started and it was really growing and people were just very excited and running a gentleman came to me i would say probably 18 years afterward he sat in my office or the boardroom over there and he said to me He said, we were watching. He was talking about one of the Bible colleges in the city. He said, I and a professor, we were watching the ministry. And he said, the professor said to me, listen to what he said, could this be the revival that we've been waiting for? That's what he said, the professor, could this be the revival we're waiting for? Do you know what my answer to him was? No, it's not. It's not the revival that we're waiting for. What it really was, was it was a demonstration of the dissatisfaction that existed within the collective body of Christ. I want you to hear that because sometimes we assume that people gathering in numbers is a sign of revival. Not always. Sometimes it's just that I don't like it over here. I'm not getting anything over here. I need something else. When those people come, it is the duty and responsibility of that organization to prepare them for something. Because what God is doing is that dissatisfaction that they feel, you need that in, adv- in advance of a move of God. It's called a holy discontent. I don't feel like this is what God has for me. I don't feel like the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing. I don't feel like I'm really drawn close to God. It's then that we enter into preparation mode, not revival mode. Can I prove that to you? You cannot have revival among people who are already revived. Kind of threw threw you for a loop there because we've been having all these tent revivals with Christians who are... The idea of revival is, watch... Things that are dead coming back to life. In most cases, there are people who don't know God. They're the ones that need revival. Revival is when all the unbelievers in the city begin to run into ministries. Not, listen, not the gathering of people who are already saved to hear a good preacher. So the call was to prepare. Now, let me show you. We prepare people three ways. Number one, we prepare them through understanding. I'll tell you what that means. We prepare them through spirituality. And we prepare them through professionalism. The last one, really, as of late, it's hit me so hard. Because it was not something that I was thinking about. We prepare them through understanding. Watch. This is critical. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. But in all your gettings, knowledge says, I know it. Understanding says, I get it. Wisdom says, I'm practicing it. You can know something, but you don't get it. It's in the comprehension stage because we know this thing. It's in the understanding stage, the comprehension stage, that sometimes I question whether or not we truly get it. I ask myself, do you get it as well? Because that's what understanding is. I get it. Not that I know it now. I get it. If you don't get something, you can't practice it or at least practice it properly. Now watch. What is it that we're supposed to get? The first thing. When you prepare people, you have to teach them about the centrality of Jesus Christ. And this thing is about Jesus and him alone. He is the one we worship. He is the one that should be glorified. He is the one that should increase, not the pastor. The pastor should decrease. He is the one that we should see when we look at each other. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's his agenda. It's the centrality in three ways. Watch closely. and You're going to love this because he says in an exclusive text, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. Listen to this. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the most exclusive text in the entire Bible. That's for people that say many roads lead to God. I challenge that. Many roads had better lead to Jesus first. <laughs> Which is the mind of God, by the way. And then all of the road, those roads become a singular road in him. And he opens up himself and says, if you have seen me, seen the Father. Oh, I feel him in the room. All you gotta, you just talk about him and you feel him in the room. Because God wants him to be glorified. Listen, listen, none of us were willing to do what he did. That's why none of us should try to take any glory. Up to me, I would have said, Not me, God. <laughs> Let somebody else carry that cross. No, nope, no. I've seen the Romans crucify people before. Not me. He alone is worthy. Watch. Angels know that. Demonic spirits know that. All of heaven knows that. For when the Lamb stood up, everybody went down. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. So open the book and loose the seals. the centrality, how do you understand his centrality? Watch number one, we have to understand his person. He is the only God that's come to us in flesh. The only one. In other words, Jesus, what he makes God available to us. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Could have said in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus makes God available to us. Watch this, the more I know Him, the more I will know God. The less I know Him, the less I know of God. So really, it's not about knowing pastor, it's not about knowing sister, it's not about knowing brother. That's wonderful, but knowing pastor does not guarantee that I know God. Knowing sister might make for great social relationships, but there's no guarantee that I will know God. But knowing Jesus, oh, oh, that I might know him. Let me say that. Oh, that I might know him. And the power is resurrection. Knowing Jesus is everything. I'll speak to the camera. Knowing Jesus is everything. The rest of the stuff is just supplementary to life. Can I make a bold statement? If you don't know him, you don't know anything all that supplementary stuff when it's over amounts to nothing. Second thing that's important is this we have to understand his centrality through his name because there's no way that we can be saved except we go through his name. Yeah. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved he makes saving grace available to us i gotta teach you something it's theologically sound don't pray any other way but in jesus name hear me hear me hear me he said in that day whatever you ask the father in my name i'll make it available to you he, he, he embodies all. You know, in the Old Testament, God, God revealed all, all these uh, Old Testament names, you know, uh, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah Rapha. Well, guess what God did in the New Covenant? He took all those names and He rolled them up and He wrapped them in the person of Jesus Christ so that you don't have to remember all of those names when you're in trouble you don't have to remember which 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 name should i call is it Rapha? is it shama no 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 when you're in trouble all you've got to do is call on the name of jesus he that calleth upon the name of the lord shall be saved someone say jesus no no say, say, say jesus that's all you need to call on by faith that's what we were supposed to tell people. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth therein. they're saved. See how powerful that is. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall conf- feel I like preach in Richard, that Jesus Christ is. his name his name alone devils don't back up because you scream devils don't back up because you cry devils don't leave your place because you're emotional they leave your place because you know the name and you're willing to use the name that's what we were supposed to teach people That you go to people and say in the name of Jesus. Sometimes you don't even have to get emotional about it. In the name of Jesus be healed. In the name of Jesus be loosed. Centrality of his name. Oh his name is glorious. That's amazing. God has given him a name that's above every name. In the world to come. And Think about that. There's no greater name. Eternally, there's no greater name. Think, just think with me for a minute. All eternity, the only name that will matter is Jesus. The devil wants us to do gymnastics rather than to stand flat-footed and use the name of Jesus. Watch this. His spirit now. See how beautiful that is from his person through his name flows his spirit he prays beautiful prayers in the gospel of john he said i'm leaving you now but i won't leave you comfortless i will come to you did you hear i'm teaching theology and i'm really teaching theology i will not leave you orphanos comfortless without a father i will come to you And so the Holy Spirit is, in fact, the spirit of Jesus living in the believer. (sighs) Come on, Rhema, let's be a solid church. That means that not only can I use the name, but I have him on the inside. Now, do you understand the scripture? Greater is he that's than he that is. That's why the Holy Spirit is critically important. Do you know that the Holy Spirit inside of you, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He just glorifies Jesus. He points you to Jesus. He takes up the things that it and gives it to you. That's all the Spirit of God is there to do, to point us to Jesus. So you can't be Spirit-filled and the Holy Spirit's not pointing you to Jesus. Say, so lift your hands and worship. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Call on the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit begins to lead you. Because God has exalted him. I want Rhema to be all about Jesus. Is that that fair and reasonable? I don't want us to be some little denomination that's, you know, trying to package Jesus. I just want us to be all about Jesus. In the purity of who God made him to be. And then watch this. If we can do this, he will then begin to teach us as he lives on the inside what I put you here for and the reason why I saved you was to give expression to my kingdom what do you mean pastor well really what I want from you is I want you to live out your faith in all of life that's why I've given you my name that's why I'm living within I don't want you to live out your faith in here on Sunday I want you to live out your faith watch wherever there's darkness I want you to shine. Wherever things are unsavory, I want you to salt it. Wherever things are pushed down, I want you to be a city set on a hill. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend the light. That's kingdom. In other words, I want you to take me into your office. And I want to sit down at your cubicle. I want to type when you're typing. I want to be in your emails. To show you that I am an omnipresent God. I want to be in your boardroom when you sit to meet. I want to be in your deliberation. When you go home and you sit down, I want you to sit down and say, thank you, Jesus. I want to be at your dinner table when you go to eat your food. Say, thank you, Jesus. I even want to be in your social life. I want to be in all of your life that's why I told you seek first the kingdom I will add everything you need if you're seeking to demonstrate and live me out in this life I don't want you to hide me watch under a bushel I'm too bright for that I'm too glorious for you to hide me watch and I'm too great for you only to express me in this building (laughs) that's unjust I'm too great for you only to worship me on Sunday at 11 o'clock. I'm too big for you only to get excited over me on Sunday morning. Do you understand what he wants? That's kingdom. And when you begin to do that, I will begin to show you that the Father has given me all things. All power has been given unto Don't be afraid to use my name in a politically correct world, say my name. I feel an old, I feel an old secular song coming. Say my name, say my name. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. Richard, don't you play now. Now not, not the time to pray. Just say my name, say it in your office. Don't worry. They can't fire you. Promotion cometh not from the east nor the west. It comes from me. Say it in the boardroom. Don't worry about it. I'll calm the atmosphere for you. Say it on the subway. They can't throw you off. The earth is the Lord's. In the fullness thereof. Say my name. Whisper it in the ears of your children. My name has power. That's what we were supposed to do. And then listen, this is, I don't know how much I can do, maybe five more minutes, watch this. We were supposed to also tell you that denominationalism is a demonic device. <laughs> uh, we were supposed to tell you that anything that divides the body is not of God no matter how nice it is and how big it is and how you dress and what you wear and what you don't wear it's not of God here's the question is Christ divided we were supposed to tell you we were supposed to tell you that if you disagree with your brother still have fellowship (laughs) stay at the table until you come to unity we were supposed to teach you that behold how good And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in denomination. No, in unity. It is like the precious ointment that is upon the head that went down to the beard, even Aaron's garments, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. We're supposed to tell you that all this dividing up of the body is from hell. No matter how much you find it in the Bible. We believe this, so what? We hold to these truths dearly, so what? We're supposed to teach you that we need each other more than anything. We're supposed to give you simple truths, like telling you that that which unites us is greater than that which divides us. We're supposed to tell you that the Spirit of God can fix all of those issues that we have if we stay together. We're supposed to tell you that two can walk together. God will help us to find the place of agreement. So that you started looking at denomination, say, I want nothing to do with that. I just want the body to be together. So the enemy has done this now. Now that we've delighted ourselves in denomination and all, all hell breaks loose, we're over in little camps <laughs> trying to fight him. The baptist trying to pull him in the anglicans are trying to pull him in the apostolics and the pentecostals are speaking in tongues but can you imagine if we were all in the same place can you imagine if we were all on the same page can you imagine if we were all of one accord it's satan that has kept us apart not our theology by the way bible study starts this wednesday please come or join us online I guarantee you that you're going to get some stuff out of that. Had we stayed together and stopped worshiping around the thr- the shrines of our theology. And all of a sudden we realize that two are better than one Dalton. Because if he falls, got someone to pick him up. If he's cold, he can find warmth. Hmm. You know what I'm going to do, guys? Because I'm going to stop right about now. Just do something. I want to read. I'm going to do the second and third part next week. I do, I want to show you what it is to be anointed. What it means to be spiritual. Then I want to show you why it's important that Mount Zion, the church, it's an analogy, becomes a professional body. More than anything. I'm going to show you that professionalism and spirituality are the same. They're not, they're not dichotomies. They're not fighting each other. I'm going to show you that to come on time for something is spirituality. <sighs> You're on your own, Pastor. You keep your time. I'm going to show you that to meet a deadline is spirituality. And I'm going to show you that when we get to that place... God will make sure that the world respects us. Would you do me a favor if you're on the media? Take me to Psalm 48, the very last few slides. I want us to show you something, then we'll work backwards. That would mean that my order for the month of May is just going to be a little bit off, Alfonso. But I know God understands, and I know that you all will. Jennifer, I'm almost done, but this is Psalm 48. From this, next week I'm going to teach you what God would love to see. We all know the scripture because we know at least the first verses. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Well, What is the city? Ye are a city set on a hill. Watch in the mountain of his holiness. He goes on to say in this next verse. I'm sorry, I I went backwards, sorry. Beautiful for situation. I want you to always ask God, what do you mean by that? Because you can quote things that you don't really understand. Well, beautiful. Beautiful for situation. The idea of situation means it's a resting place, a place to situate yourself. Beautiful for resting. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. Think about what God says about his body, his people. Everyone in the world is saying there's no better place to stop by and rest than Mount Zion. There's no better place to come than where the people of God are. On the sides of the north, it is the city of the great king. God is known in all of her palaces. And he's known there as a refuge. That means that people that need a respite, just need to escape from something, they can just come into this environment and they find refuge. Look at verse five. It's talking about the kings in verse four. All the kings of the earth, when they saw Mount Zion, do you know what they did? They marveled. They didn't laugh at the nonsense of the church. didn't laugh at the ignorance of the church or the benightedness they marveled and not only did they marvel they were troubled and they hasted away they left it alone next week i'm going to show you that the apostles got this right the bible said when they began to move no man durst join himself to them in other words no man troubled them God wants the body to be respected. He wants you to be respected. So when you walk through the world, there goes a child of God. There goes a daughter of Zion. Excuse me, miss. Can you help me? There goes one of the children of Mount Zion. And when Nebuchadnezzar searched all of Babylon, went to all his soothsayers and his magicians and astrologers, He stopped by four boys and the Bible said there was none like them in all his kingdom in that they were 10 times better than everything else that the king had at his disposal. I want you to rise up on your feet right now. We're going to take a moment and we're going to prepare. I just need you to do me a favor. I'm doing it in my own life. Everyone, I need you to do me this favor. I got saved, came to the knowledge of God in 1990. I was baptized August 19th, 1990. Seven o'clock in the evening. Elder Finley baptized me and Elder Leopold Clark baptized me. I've been in the, with the Lord now for a few decades. The danger is that I can think that I know, I know, I know. But in a move of God, I want you just to pretend as if you are a clean slate. A blank canvas. In other words, come to the king now as a child. Don't know anything, God. And that which I knew, I want you to help me to understand what I still need for today. And that which I knew that I don't need, I need you to help me to discard it. Because wherever you're going and whatever you're doing, I want to learn Christ. My little children with whom I travail in pain until Christ be formed in us again. That's what I want. My last story, would you come and stand team? My last story is this, just to show you what I mean. Several years ago, a friend of mine was being sworn in as a judge. He invited us, I think you came, right? He invited us down to the chambers, you know, this nice Beautiful place where all the judges do their thing. Politicians were there, and I was there. Pastor Roach was with me. And before the swearing in ceremony, we were all in an atrium, just people socializing, talking. And then, like clockwork, it was as if somebody rang a bell, and the entire crowd, and they began to move in a particular direction. And you know, things like that fascinate me. So I said to a gentleman, there was a gentleman beside me, he is a lawyer. But his father is a pastor he attends ministry and i said to him i said wow this is great you know he said to me listen he said this isn't church brother do you understand what he's saying in other words we're serious down here i gave you that example because he is a pastor's son he attends church and when he compared what they do in that world He looked at me and said, this isn't church, brother. I don't want that language around me anymore. I want people to say, the church sets the examples. The church leads the way. And sisters and brothers, you can still lead and have flaws. You can still lead and make mistakes. Don't let anyone ask you to be a perfect leader. Be a faithful and sincere leader. If you're with me in this preparation mode, I want you to take your hands. If you're not with me, you don't have to raise them, but I want you to take your hands and lift them up. And we're going to say to God, thank you, sir. Teach me, Lord. Teach me where you're going. Teach me Christ again. Teach me the movement of your spirit. The the wind blows where it listeth. You hear the sound, but you can't tell where it's going. So are they that are born of the Spirit. Wherever you're going, God. Wherever you're resting. Wherever the cloud stops. Wherever the Shekinah rests. I want to rest there. I'm an imperfect vessel. I struggle. I have flaws. I stumble. But wherever you're going, God. Take me with you.